we're going to continue our series on uh, Romans chapter 8. Uh, and here, here's what I want you to know. One of the greatest attributes of God is that he has a father's heart. He has a father's heart. Over and over in the New, New Testament, uh, believers are referred to as children of God. Uh, James tells us uh, that true religion is to take care of orphans and widows. You, you can see the, the, the heart of God is to be a father through what James tells us. And the, and the reason why I believe in what we're doing with Angel Tree so much is because we have the opportunity to bless children with Christmas gifts who have one or both parents out of their lives because they are incarcerated. And so we're partnering with Angel Tree Ministries. We're going to throw a Christmas party for these kids, and we're going to be able to provide something for them um, where they don't have a parent in their home because they're in prison, and we get to maybe be a smiling face. Maybe we get to share the love of Jesus with them through a gift, through a smile, through something. And so that's why I believe in Angel Tree and what we're doing with Angel Tree so much. Um, if God has put it on your heart to adopt or become foster parents, I commend you for that, and I encourage you to pursue that desire. There's nothing that embodies the heart of God more than becoming a parent to the parentless, because the heart of God is to be a father to the fatherless. We're in part three of our series in Romans chapter 8, and my subtitle today is, I am adopted. Why don't you look at your neighbor and tell him, I am adopted. Okay, I am adopted and I am proud of it. And I hope that you are proud of being adopted as well. And so we're going to be in Romans chapter 8 and we're going to read verses 14 through 17. Can we stand as we honor the, the reading of the word this morning? Let's, let's stand and read, read the, the scripture today. We're going to read Romans 8 verses 14 through 17 and it says this. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him Abba, Father. For His Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are His children, we are His heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word today. We pray that you would do something in our hearts through the power of your word. Lord, I pray that, that, the, the, that your spirit, um, that your power would jump out at us today. And I pray that you would use me, that you would speak through me. And that, uh, Father, that you would show us how to respond to this word in Jesus' name. Amen. And you can be seated. I want you to see an amazing truth that Paul communicates to us through this passage using a metaphor. He tells us in verse 15 that God has adopted us as his own children. Some translations say that we have received a spirit of adoption. Let me put it to you this way. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because you and I have been adopted. Because we are his sons 
and daughters, those of us who have put our faith and trust in Jesus, we are his children. We are his sons and daughters because after salvation, we are no longer condemned because after salvation, God is no longer our judge. He is now our father. Now, does a good father discipline his children? Absolutely. Does a good father hold his children accountable? Absolutely. But a good father does these things in order to set his kids up for success. A good father disciplines and a good father holds accountable in order to keep his children from trouble and to set his children up for success. In order to do this metaphor justice, I need to explain to you what Paul meant by this idea of adoption. Uh, one commentary on Romans 8.15 says this, The spirit of adoption is the spirit of God producing the condition of adoption, the placing one in the position of a son. This idea of adoption that Paul talks about here is a Roman legal term. Okay, This word adoption meant to formally and legally declare that someone who is not one's own child is to be treated and cared for as one's own child, including complete rights of inheritance. That, that's a big deal. That's a huge deal. Uh, we see that this is what happened to Moses as we read what Luke says about him in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 7 and verse 21, it says this, when they had to abandon him, talking about Moses' parents, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and raised him as her own son. In the book, Conversion of the Roman Empire, Charles Merivale says this about the idea of Roman adoption. The process of legal adoption by which the chosen heir became entitled not only to the reversion of the property, but to the civil status, to the burdens, as well as the rights of the adopter, became, as it were, his other self, one with him. This, too, is a Roman principle, peculiar at this time to the Romans, unknown, I believe, to the Greeks, unknown to all appearance to the Jews, as it certainly is not found in the legislation of Moses, nor mentioned anywhere as a usage among the children of the covenant. We have but a faint conception of the force with which such an illustration would speak to one familiar with the Roman practice, how it would serve to impress upon him the assurance that the adopted Son of God becomes, in a peculiar and intimate sense, one with the heavenly father. Adoption in the first century Roman Empire was actually quite common up, uh, among the emperors. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but the first Roman Emperor Augustus was adopted by Julius Caesar. Okay, Tiberius, the second emperor of Rome, was adopted by Augustus. Nero and Marcus Aurelius, they, they were also adopted. So Paul, writing this book to Christians living in Rome, used this metaphor because the audience would have definitely understood the significance of what he was saying when he said that those of us who have put our faith in Jesus, we have been adopted into the family of God and we are now sons and daughters of God himself. So how is this significant 
How is this idea of adoption significant to you and to me? It's incredibly significant because for those of us who have put our faith in Jesus Christ and have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us, we are now a part of God's family. I mean, do you understand that? We are now part of God's family. Before Christ, we were enemies of God. Before Christ, we were hostile to God. But after Christ, we get to be a part of the family of God. We are not slaves. We are sons and daughters. We are not orphans. We have been adopted. We have not been forgotten. We belong to a family. And we are loved, we are valued, and we are wanted. You know, no matter what I did growing up, did or did not do growing up, I always knew that my parents loved me and wanted me. Whether I got straight A's or straight C's, I knew that my parents wanted me and they loved me. Whether I excelled in sports or I was a bench warmer, I knew that my parents loved me and wanted me. And whether I became successful in the eyes of the world as an adult or not. I don't know if you know anything about Indian culture, but Indian parents, uh, uh, the, the, the vocation of a pastor is not like number one, two, or three, or four on their list of what they want their kids to do. Indian, Indians are, are, are churning out doctors, right? Engineers. That, that's, what, that's what Indian parents want. But I know that regardless of what I chose to do with my life and my career, I knew my parents would love me, and I knew my parents wanted me. There is something secure about being wanted, isn't there? There is something safe about being wanted. And the sad thing is that not everyone in this world has that experience. Maybe you sitting in here, you don't have that experience of being wanted and loved and valued by your parents. One of my best friends in the world uh, was left in a crowded marketplace in South Korea and ended up being found and miraculously taken to an orphanage. And later on, he ended up being adopted by parents in, uh, in the United States. Uh, in fact, he grew up believing that he was left in a trash can to die. And I asked him, why did, you think, why did you think that? If you were left in a marketplace, why did you grow up thinking that you were left in a trash can to die? And he said, I, I don't know if I made that up in my head or if my adopted parents thought that and told me that. I don't know, but I grew up with this, with this thought that I was left in a trash can and just left for dead. And throughout his life, he has dealt with this feeling of abandonment in his life. And he is now a professor at a Bible college. He's married with three children. And he, he, he knows that he is loved and he knows that he is valued by God, even though he never got an opportunity or a chance to ask his parents why they did what they did to him. Why, did they, why they left him in that marketplace. He never has had a chance to, to ask his earthly parents what happened. Only this past year when he visited uh, the orphanage in Korea that he was taken to as a baby, did they explain to him the story of his parents? They, they left him in a marketplace, a crowded marketplace, and they probably, they probably stood there watching from afar to see if anybody picked them up or not. But he grew up thinking that his parents just completely abandoned him and didn't want him at all. But I want you to know that you belong. I want you to know that you are valued. And I want you to know that you are loved. And so I want to share with you three truths about this idea of adoption 
that Paul brings forth in this passage, and hopefully I can shed some more light on what Paul was talking about and what Paul meant when he said that we are adopted as sons and daughters of God. Number one, adoption is permanent. Adoption is permanent. Roman law made it very difficult to adopt, but once it happened, it was permanent. Okay? After you adopted someone, if you were hoping for a son who was a star athlete, but he ended up becoming a star in the kitchen, right? You couldn't renege on being on, 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 on adopting your child. You got what you got. It was permanent. Okay? You couldn't just return them. Like we, we, if you buy something at, you know, yesterday we, we returned a bunch of stuff to uh, Michael's that we had bought. Well, you can't do that when you adopt someone. Okay? It's permanent. It's forever. In fact, a natural son in, in first century Rome could be disinherited, but an adopted son could not be disinherited. Once you were adopted, your former history was essentially erased and deleted. Any debts you had prior to adoption were erased. Any inheritance you had from your prior family, they were erased. Um, you were completely a part of the family that adopted you. As children of God, we don't have to worry about how our Heavenly Father feels about us. We don't have to, be, we don't have to worry. We don't have to wonder how Father God feels about you and me. We don't have to fear that if we make a mistake, He's going to disown us. We can be confident in our place, in our status as sons and daughters of God. And when I make this next statement, I want you to know that I am not talking about sin or sinful acts when I, when I make this statement. But here's what I want you to know. We don't have to perform in order for God to be pleased with you and me. You don't have to perform in order for God to be pleased with you. And what I mean by perform is that you don't have to be a pastor or a preacher in order for God to be pleased with you. You don't have to memorize the entire New Testament in order for God to be pleased with you. You don't have to perform signs, wonders, and miracles in order for God to be pleased with you. In fact, um, in, in the Gospels, it's recorded that before Jesus ever did any sort of public ministry, before Jesus performed any miracles at his baptism, Father God told him that this is my son and I am pleased with him. Before he did anything for God, his father was pleased with him. And that's the same thing for you. You don't have to be perfect in order for God to be pleased with you. Father God is pleased with you because he is pleased with his son who is living inside of you. You guys are dead. What's wrong with you? Come on, get alive. This is amazing truth. What is wrong with you guys? Come on. Father God. You don't have to perform in order for God to be pleased with you. You don't have to, to jump through hoops. You don't have to do X, Y, and Z. Because of the Spirit of God dwelling inside of you, because of Jesus dwelling inside of you, your Heavenly Father is pleased with you. And that deserves an amen. amen. Come on. Let's go. <laughs> Ephesians 1, uh, 4 through 11. If you don't start amen and through this passage of Scripture, I'm going to smack somebody. Okay? <laughs> Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, uh, starting with verse 4. Even before he made the world, 
God loved you and chose you in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes. Yeah, yeah. God decided in advance to adopt us into His own family by bringing us to Himself through Jesus Christ. This is what He wanted to do, and it gave Him great pleasure. Verse 6, So we praise God for the glorious grace He has poured out on us who belong to His dear Son. Verse 7, He is so rich in kindness and grace that He purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son and forgave our sins. Mm. He has showered His kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us His mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill His own good plan. And this is His plan. At the right time, He will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For He chose us, He chose you in advance, and He makes everything work out according to His plan. Is that an amazing passage of Scripture or not? You guys are too full of turkey, man. Come on. God chose you. He chose you. He was thinking about His relationship with you even before He made the world. Even before He formed the foundation of the world, before He made the sun, before He framed the stars, He was thinking about His relationship with you. How wonderful is that? How amazing is that? God is not shaky about how He feels about you. We might be shaky about how we feel about God, but God is not shaky about how he feels about you. Paul tells us in this passage that it gave him great pleasure to adopt us as sons and daughters through his son, Jesus Christ. It gave him great pleasure. Another translation says that it was his kind intention to adopt us. It was through his kindness, not anything good about you, not anything spectacular about you. It was through his kind intention. It was through his kindness that he chose you and I before the foundations of the earth to have a relationship with us. When God adopts you and I as his own children, it is a forever thing. It is not a temporary thing. It is a forever thing. It's not a until you mess up thing. It's not a until you can't do anything for him thing. It, it, it's not until he finds someone better than you thing. When you become adopted, it is a forever thing. It is an eternal thing. It is a, a it's beyond death do you part. It, it is eternal forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. Now, you and I can choose to walk away from God. We can choose by our actions, through our heart, through our free will to walk away from God, but God will never choose to walk away from you. He is not shaky about how He feels about you. He is faithful. Amen? God is faithful. 
Number two, adoption is personal. Adoption is personal. Romans 8.15 says, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. Abba Father was a deeply personal and intimate word. Abba is an Aramaic term that means father or daddy or papa. It is the most intimate term that you can use for the word father. It was the same term that Jesus used in the Gospel of Mark to address his father in the Garden of Gethsemane where he was sweating droplets of blood and he said, can you take this cup for me? He addressed He addressed his father as Abba in that moment in the Garden of Gethsemane right before he was going to be betrayed by Judas and taken to the cross to to his death. That's the term that he used. And Paul tells us that we have this same intimate personal relationship with God that Jesus did while he was here on this earth. Is that amazing or what? And why do we have that access to God? Because we have been adopted as his own children. Because we're not orphans. Because we're not illegitimate kids. Because we have been adopted into the family of God. And the Holy Spirit affirms this relationship inside of us. Adoption into the family of God is not only permanent, but it is also deeply personal. You know, there is nothing that brings me more joy than when Boston or Avia addresses me as daddy. There's nothing that brings me more joy than when I hear my my five-year-old daughter or my seven-year-old son call me, look me in the eyes and and say, hi, daddy. Or or when I've been out all day uh, uh, working or doing something, I come home and both of my kids run. We have a long hallway. Both of my kids just take off sprinting and they say, daddy, daddy, daddy. You're home. There's nothing that brings me more joy. And here's the deal. No one else in this world is allowed to call me daddy. Priscilla can call me big daddy, but no one, no one else in this world is allowed to address me as daddy or dada or papa. Only my kids. And Boston and Avia, they don't have the relationship with anyone else in this world to call them daddy or papa or dada. It's only me. It's only me. Come on, that's right. The Holy Spirit not only makes us God's children, but he also makes us aware that we are his children. Amen? Galatians 4, 6 and 7. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Verse 7, therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Wow, it's amazing. And number three, adoption is positional. Adoption is positional. When you get adopted, your status changes. Okay? Uh, You become a legal heir to the family who is adopting you. Like I mentioned earlier, their property becomes your property. Their burdens become your burdens, right? And so that means, what, what is the burden of God? 
It's that, it's that the lost sheep be found. It's that the lost be saved. And so if your burden uh, is, not, is not Father God's burden, you have to ask yourself, where am I missing it? If you're not burdened for the lost, if you're not burdened for those lost sheep that are out, if you're, if, if you're not spending your energy and your time and your strength trying to find the lost sheep, you need to look inward and say, why don't I have my father's burden? See, because their burdens become your burdens. Their possessions become your possessions. Their name is now your name. And their reputation now becomes your reputation. There is a great exchange when you become adopted. And because we are able to use the word Abba in describing our intimate relationship with Father God, we have a status that is comparable to Jesus himself. Don't believe me? Romans 8:17 in the NIV calls us co-heirs with Christ. We are co-heirs with Christ. When we become children of God who are now led by the Spirit and not the flesh, we gain access to the inheritance of the Father. And what does our Father own? Huh? Everything. And so what Father God owns becomes ours because we are co-heirs with Christ. As Douglas Moo, the Bible scholar, says, we now enter into an already not yet tension of the Christian's eschatological status, which means that we are already truly adopted. We are already in the family of God with all of the rights and privileges that come with it, yet we're not yet recipients of that inheritance, right? That won't fully happen until Jesus comes back and, and, and we receive our glorified bodies and become conformed into the fullness and likeness of Jesus. But we have that inheritance coming, right? First Peter 4, 5 says this, and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. Verse 5, and through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. Amazing. When we come to faith in Jesus, I'm going to say this again. We go from being slaves to our sin. We go from being slaves to our flesh. We go from being ruled by Satan and ruled by our desires. And our status, our position changes. And we are now sons and daughters of the King. We are now co-heirs with Christ. So that brings us to this question. How can you tell whether you have been adopted by Father God into his family. How can you tell? Well, Paul tells us in Romans 8, 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. If you are being led by the Holy Spirit in your life, you are his child. And if you are not being led by the Holy Spirit and you're being led by something or someone else, what does that mean? 
That means you are not children of God, doesn't it? Because Paul clearly tells us all who are being led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So if you're not being led by the Spirit of God, you're not a child of God. And, 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 and to further that, here's how the Spirit leads. Let me give you a little bit of a uh, let, let me give you a little bit of an education on how the Spirit leads. He leads you away from sin and towards the will of God. Okay? The Spirit of God will never lead you towards sin. The Spirit of God always leads you away from sin and towards the perfect will of God. And so if you're not being actively led away from sin and towards the purposes of God in your life, you need to ask yourself, you need to take inventory and ask yourself, what is going on with me? What is happening? Where is the disconnection? Because I should be, I should be being led away from sin, away from sinful patterns, and towards the will of God in my life. And if that's not happening, there's a disconnect going on. Maybe you're sitting in here today and you're insecure about your relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're constantly feeling like you're not good enough and in turn that makes you doubt whether you're truly saved or not. Maybe, maybe you're, internally you feel like, I don't know how God can love me because I keep messing up. I don't know how God can love me because I keep breaking commitments. I keep breaking vows. I keep saying I'm going to do this and I never do it. And maybe you're shaky about your relationship with God. Maybe you're shaky and insecure about your, uh, about your salvation. I, I want to tell you this. I want you to know that if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus and you are committed to following and obeying the teachings of Jesus, you have been adopted and your status as a child of God is secure. Your status as a child of God is secure, okay? I want you to know that. And maybe you're sitting in here today on the other spectrum, and you are so secure in your status as a child of God that you are walking in sinful uh, patterns of behavior because you feel like the blood of Jesus covers all your sins. Like, I went to the altar, I got saved, and... Boom, I can do whatever I want because God is love and, and His blood has covered all my sins. I want you to know something. According to Paul in this passage, true children of God are led by the Spirit of God. Yeah. And if I could have the worship team make their way up. And let me tell you something else. The Spirit of God will never, ever, ever lead you into anything that is contrary to the Word of God, okay? The Spirit of God will not lead you into an immoral uh, relationship. That, that's not the Spirit of God. That's something else. The Spirit of God will not lead you into a state of drunkenness. That's a whole other spirit that's active, okay? The Spirit of God will not lead you to treat someone differently or less than because of the color of their skin. The Spirit of God will never lead you to look down on someone in self-righteousness. That's not the Spirit of God. So if a lifestyle contrary to the Word of God is the prevailing influence in your life, you are not being led by the Spirit of God. 
You're being led by your flesh. You're being led by culture. You're, you're being led by some other sort of influence happening in your life. But I have some good news. You are not doomed. I've got some good news. There is forgiveness for you if you want it. I've got some good news. There is freedom and deliverance if you'll receive it today. You don't have to keep living the way you've been living. Let me tell you something. If you are an adopted son or daughter of God, you don't have to live beneath your status anymore. You don't have to live like you're not a child of God. God has so much more for you. You, you are not an illegitimate child. You are not forgotten. You, you are not a devalued human being. Right? That scripture I read before the foundations of the earth, God was thinking about his relationship with you. Before the foundation of the earth, God was thinking about all of the things that he wanted to give to you as your inheritance as being his child. God loves you so much that he has given you a status comparable to that of Jesus Christ. All right, we don't have saving power, right? We're not sinless and perfect, but he has given us a status that we can be called co-heirs with Christ. So because of that, when you go to work today or tomorrow, you don't have to have your head hung down low. You can have your head hung up high because you are, you, you, you are a child of God. You, you have a status that is royalty. You are a king's kid. Amen? Amen. You are not forgotten about. You, you, you have not just been left for dead. See, God is faithful. What he has started in you, he will carry it on and on and on and on until the work has been completed. And let me tell you something. If you're still breathing today, the job isn't finished. You're not a finished product. Amen? And so if you're living, if, you have, if you've gotten saved, but you're not living like a child of God, you are not doomed today. You are not without hope today. Because there's forgiveness, there's freedom, there's deliverance for you today. You don't have to, you don't have to keep doing what you're doing. Because you don't feel good about it anyway. Why? Because if you've been adopted and you're not living as if you're adopted by the king of the universe, you're going to feel like, what is all this stuff? Like it's not fulfilling. It's not satisfying. Because your status is that of something much, much, much higher and more valuable. Amen? Let's pray.